Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast brought to you by SME Strategy. My name is Anthony Taylor and I'm going to be your host today. On the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, we interview senior leaders and thought leaders to get their best practices for leading teams, for driving and executing strategy, and other best practices as it relates to leadership and team development. And our goal here on the Strategy and Leadership Podcast is to bring you practical and executable tips that you can use right away to support the growth of your organization or your business. So if you enjoy today's episode, please be sure to subscribe. You can follow us on YouTube for other bonus content on strategy and leadership, or, and you can join in on the conversation on Facebook in the strategy and leadership community. So I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. My guest today is Ryan Berman, who is the founder of Courageous and the author of Return on Courage. Right. How are you, buddy? Good, man. How are you holding up? I'm doing awesome. I mean, despite the fact that my hair looks like I haven't done anything with it weeks, I was going to say, hey, before we get on this podcast, just make sure you do your hair. And then I realized that's not a thing that you need to worry about. I, I too, haven't done my hair in, in not only weeks. <laughs> I, I've okay done my that. hair. I'm, I'm purposely, this is on purpose. I'm, I love this, actually. If I if I had the choice, it was Malcolm Gladwell is my inspiration for the hairdo. So I'm working working on it. He, he's winning. Yeah, he's definitely winning in the hair category. Bravo. He's, he's winning in a couple categories. I like that yeah. dude. So tell our listeners a little bit about you. What is courageous? What is courageous boot camp? Who is Ryan Berman? Yeah. So hey, thanks for having me on the show. I'm Ryan Berman, founder of a company called Courageous. Background very similar, probably to many of your listeners, came out of the the marketing arena, the agency world of New York City, moved to California to write screenplays, not live one, and mm. uh, haven't left since 04. Started a couple agencies, was an agency owner of a 70-person agency until 2019, and then just realized that we still need the services of agencies, but the value isn't what it used to be. Lots of companies are building their own in-house agencies. So we thought we could build more of a special forces version of an agency. We call it a consultancy, but you know, again, these are, these are words we, we brand, right? Um, like you're in marketing communications. Sorry, it's as if ahead. I'm actually a storyteller in branding. To be honest, I was writing my book, Return on Courage to position my last creative agency and can't explain why certain leaders at Apple and Google and Amazon let me in, but uh, just from listening to them, it pretty much gave me the courage to fire myself and to start over. And so that's the irony here is like, if you're going to write a book about courage, you should probably live the premise yourself. And I had felt like a fifth year senior bit in my last agency. So I pulled the cord, started Courageous in 19, and now it's been quite a little fun rocket ship working on particular projects for the NFL Caesars Entertainment, Johnson & Johnson. Um, we're helping a college reinvent who they are. So anywhere where change has to happen, we're, we're playing. Love that. Okay, so you use the word value like right out the gate, which most people do, but you used it just how you read, used it is what I'm going to ask you about. How people let you in the door is also an interesting like wordage and verbiage. And then we have like the storytelling aspect. So if we put all of those things together, what do you think it was about you and your approach 
whether that's the courage or not, that really has these organizations work with you, not like giving away your secret sauce, but from a, from a leadership perspective, what do you think yeah. it is that people has you follow, follow you in terms of storytelling and in the work that you do? Yeah, I think for starters, it's so funny because I've, <laughs> this is life before COVID. I wonder how many people have said that, by the way, on your show recently, but you know, the last, the last 18 months, I've been really fortunate to go around the country and sort of share the journey of the book writing process, what I learned along the way. And you meet all these like leadership experts that are just pretty much, they've never led a company. They never worked with any of these big BMS brands. And I just was very fortunate to probably because I started in New York city, but had had the opportunity to see big brands and work with big brands. And then, you know, when I started my agency, by the way, my first one in 2004, we were four people out of a house. We weren't working with big brands. We were working with like, who's going to actually hire us? Like, how do we survive and just not just end up back working for somebody else? And your process becomes slightly validated when you do that for a decade. Mm-hmm. When you're like, okay, I'm still in business. We're still rolling here. And you would take like this brand you've never heard of before in a category and then eventually get a shot at a brand you have heard of before. So I think it just starts by, you know, and this is where I think courage comes in. Like, I'm very at peace with who I am. Like, I know who I am. I, I know where I'm rough around the edges. I know in this new world that you're going to get a straight shooter. My process for how I go about storytelling is just there's no time to waste on the, the BS. So, and I think that's how most businesses feel. But yet, lots of agency people are driven by fear or they're owned by a holding company and they feel like, Oh my gosh, if I don't hit the number, we're going to have to let people go. And so they tap dance when what they should be doing is really listening to their clients and just actually solving the problem. So there's a lot in there. First, it's like, look, I've been doing this for 20 years. The strategy muscles pretty strong Two, what you see is what you get. Three, we have a real point of view. So if you don't like it, there's 55,000 other choices for you. That's okay, right? It's, we, we don't have to work together. But if you want somebody that's going to give it to you straight, but you're going to also hopefully compensate us for that thinking, that's how we stand out from the rest. Mm. So what I took from that, so, you know, as our, our leaders, by the way, hi, listeners, I hope you're having a great day today. Uh, <laughs> you know, what, what I'm taking from that is, you know, both the perspective of anybody who's like, Oh, we'll use the word outwardly communicating. So communicating to sell, communicating to connect, communicating to engage, which everybody does. You do that in your work, you do that in your relationships. But I think it's like a a groundedness in terms of like a process as in like you figure out a way that you do things. And it's that like self-awareness to say, hey, here's how we do things. And you just happen to be in a position that is well packaged. The point of view, which is, you know, like you get what you get when you get us. And I think that that's part of that unique value that everybody brings to the table. So you as a listener, as your leadership, what is the point of view that you bring to the table that nobody else has? Because there are a million and one options. So it's like you can only speak from your point of view, which is the value that you bring to the table. And then that openness to just like shoot straight, you know, tell it how it is and tell it with the conjunction of your process and your point of view, which gives that openness as long as you're being that. So 
if we take the process point of view and openness that you bring, how does that translate to being an agency owner working with teams and developing your own internal strategy and communication like within your team? Do those, are they one for one or is there any difference or what does that look like? Yeah, I think you kind of, you nailed it though. Like I, first of all, I never thought I'd be a process driven individual. Mm. I mean, it's, I know it's odd to say, but as a creative the best creative I think comes from process. The, the best machines come from process. There's enough space in that process, right? For creativity. You're not strangling people in that process. And look, I think we're living in this, this is a pre, again, we're, like every time I say before COVID drink, right? But like we're, this is before COVID. I think we, we are living in this insanely cloudy time. What you're seeing is a clarity epidemic. And we have so many sort of points of information that we could take in. There's so much data we can collect. We have so many key, like key stakeholders telling us to do different things, whether it's a client that needs something or there's a coworker you trust that needs something. And what's happening is all of these inputs are hitting us and it's freezing us up. And there's a, this level of paralysis that's slowing us down. So you're looking at 10 different doors in front of you and you're not sure which door to go through. Meanwhile, your, your competitor is experimenting. They're being clear with what they perceive their, their, their value to be, their, uh, their brand to be, and, and they're experimenting and, they're, and then they're pivoting off of those experiments. I think in some ways, what we bring to the table first is clarity. Like we know who we are. We know that we believe courageous ideas are the only ones that matter. We're living in this media obese world where we're inundated with thousands of messages every day and we're not there to defend those ideas. So they have to live on their own. And sometimes just because we work on a project for 80 hours to hundred hours a week, as you know, the universe doesn't know how long you've worked on, on something. There's not like a little asterisk you can click on and be like only got four hours. So it forces us to work harder to break through all that mess and if you're going to put something out there, the difference between a careless idea and a courageous one is, is how much knowledge you have. Like how calculated is the move so you stand out in the right way. Mm. So I, mean, I still want to take that that internal reflection. But what I heard of that, like some of the things that you do, so you know, reducing the paralysis, you know, and just trying to like create that clarity on how to move forward, and then experimenting and, and knowing what is uh, well, there is no right until you figure out what what goes into it and it's putting that effort. So if we take it to that special forces mindset and I'm going to use the word like mission driven, you know, you have like an objective. What does that mean to you when I say special forces and then just military and then like a mission focused, not caring about the the individual steps. Talk to me through what, what you hear in that. For starters, we don't believe in agency of record. We believe in mission of record. So we actually call a mission of record. What's the mission that we're on? The reason I like this terminology is it starts at the end. Like, do we actually know what mission we're on? Like, have we pinpointed an actual mission that we want to thwart? You know, when you call yourself agency of record, what there's no mission there. Like, what's your agency for what? So what we like to do is, like, identify clearly what the problem is. And then we're also custom building back our teams from that endpoint to optimize the mission. And in the sharing economy that we're living in, 
we're able to do that. Now, if I'm a leader at a company, I think the big takeaway isn't the structure of the team. I mean, you can take that away, but it's, it's be really, really clear of what problem you're trying to thwart. Because if I'm going to follow you, I need, I need that level of consistency. I need that level of clarity. The way I go about it, by the way, is we just try to find a team where we're all aligned. We share values, but we're bringing breadth of experience to the table, right? Each of us is bringing our version of how we would attack this problem together. And it's a collision of those conversations where the best ideas usually come to the surface. And the other thing you should note, just this is more for courageous, but if we're going to be a special forces team, we're hiring people with the experience to be that. So we're hiring people that have come from big companies. It's not just agencies. My business partner has never stepped foot in an agency before he ran like the Listerine business before going in on VC and running marketing there. So just bringing those different perspectives to the table is how we go about attacking missions. Got it. So having the, the perspectives sounds like having the skills to match the problem, like and like tactically to say, okay, who's you know who, what kind of guns am I bringing in here? Yeah. The values, the breadth of experience to match that. If we look at what's happening in the world right now, there's a couple couple different things there. There's obviously the value having to refocus the value. There's problem solving, and I think it's Brad Heath like talking about upstream and downstream things. So for focusing on the problem or the source of it. And then what we're looking at now is like the old school Tuckman model of like forming, storming, norming, like as you build mm. teams together. <clears throat> and then like every team, if you're listening, like your team is, even if it's the same team that I would assert that they're in new conditions, which means it's actually a new team. Like their, yeah. their HQ is different because now they're HQ at home and they have kids running around. What do you, without giving away your secret sauce, what do you guys find a key ingredient to, and this is like practically speaking, getting the alignment between a client and your project to say, hey, how do we have that vision alignment? How do we have that mission alignment? How do we have that values alignment? If you can like two or three like really practical things for our listeners to say, tomorrow I'm going to meet with my team and I'm going to have them all wear the same baseball cap or something. You know, <laughs> what, what, what do you do to really move that forward? Because I think that's where people are. Um, it's not, they know that there's a problem but it's like that clarity on what are the steps they need to do next? What is the roadmap for them? Yeah. So again, I think, I think it's a great question and I have no problem sharing like our secret sauce. I mean, and it's in a book, so it's, it's there. <laughs> I mean, we, every, everything we do is starts by having the hardest, what we perceive to be the hardest question on the table, mm. which is, okay. We believe that every brand on the planet sits somewhere between a coward brand and a courage brand. Let's have that chat first. Are we a coward brand? Are we a stasis brand? You know, are we iterative? Are we an aspirational brand? Or are we a courage brand? And if we had three hours, I could walk you through each of these definitions. But without even knowing what the definitions are, you could pretty much throw a dart at like where you think your brand is. And, you know, in some ways, we're therapists, like we're brand therapists. And it's like, if we can't have honest, trustful conversations to me, the root of every good relationship is trust. And without trust, you don't get to believe. Do you mind if I j just on that, on that courage, I, I don't want to lose that last part, but the trust part, yeah. but the courage brand, coward brand, make the distinction because you're looking at it, I imagine partially through a, a, a marketing branding lens, but I, I believe 
and I believe you believe, that it actually applies to everything. It doesn't just apply to your outward persona. It applies to your internal leadership, your processes, systems, communication, everything. Is that, am I fair to say that? Absolutely. And, and to me now, like, I call it the Wizard of Oz problem, right? Don't go behind the curtain like you're telling the world one thing, but internally that's, oh, it's puffery, right? It's like the employees know where you're lying and where you're not. And now... I think great companies recognize that it's one storyline. It's one storyline. There is no curtain. If you have a curtain, it's eventually going to come out that you have a curtain because of social media. There's so many ways to sell, like literally get like, it's going to get smelled out. If, if word of mouth is a huge deal, which it is 50% of purchases are in word of mouth and you've got miserable employees, you know what they're doing? They're sharing. They're, they're telling their people like, don't work there. Don't go there. You'll be miserable. There's no purpose. Or it's terrible work. You know, the hours are terrible or whatever it might be. So to me, it's like there's no difference between the input and the output anymore. It's all the same. And now faster. The messy stuff is there. And one thing I just put an asterisk next to you, like employees know. So for those managers, leaders, and Ryan, you can let me know what you think. You know, when you have like a thing that you're holding up, like it's like not transparent. There's that gap between up here and down here. Your employees know that there's something, even if they don't know what it is. And that, in my opinion, is worse. It's the discomfort of feeling like there's not that trust. Oh, perfect. Let's go back. That trust conversation. If your employees don't know and they think that there's something, but it's unclear, how do you or what do you perceive as the impact of not having that trust within the either client partnership uh, or, or internal partnership or even leadership team partnership? What's the impact of no trust there? Yeah, I mean, first of all, slow down. And you have no time or your team. Well, yes. And all the above, because now you're thinking about how come you don't have trust with your team. So you're, there's friction there. If you know, Mm -hmm. if you don't know, we have a serious self-awareness problem, which probably should get fixed. If you're a leader, like actually ask the hard question, like, what am I missing? What am I not seeing? So I think a lot of this comes down to belief. Like I said, and I think you even make believers or fake believers. You know, and fake believers aren't wearing a T-shirt around the office that says fake believer. They're just nodding and smiling and collecting a paycheck. And meanwhile, when you go back to your office, they're breaking the conviction inside your organization with the rest of your staff. And this is the same thing with clients, you know. And again, it's having the courage to have the hard conversation, to ask the hard question, because usually good things will come of that. You know, I always I talk about it in the book, the relationship between fear and courage. So you actually can't get to the greatest choice without channeling it through fear. But what most of us do is we suppress that fear versus address it. So, okay, actually, if you don't think you fear something, like find a fear. I call it FOM, fear of missing fear. Like what's the biggest fear you have about the way your team functions? What's the biggest fear you have with the relationship you have with your client? And that should be the first question you're asking them. If we've learned anything coming out of this COVID situation, it's now is the time to have the hard conversation. You'll actually build more empathy by doing so. And once someone understands that you're willing to go there, you actually have a shot at trust. You actually have a shot at belief. If you have a shot of trust and you have a shot of belief, you're going to pick up time with everything else you're doing, which is actually solving the problem you're trying to get to. One of the main reasons that I felt like I left my last agency is because I was solving problems on the way to the problems I wanted to solve. 
and I wasn't doing the stuff that I loved anymore. So I'd be like, because, like, because uh, you were too busy solving the roadblocks to get you where you were going kind of thing. Correct. We had, okay. we even didn't qualify in the right type of client and shame on us for doing that. So when your company is called courageous, it's, we're not called iterative. We're not called safe.com, right? There's like a real change that has to happen inside an organization. So there's three different types of missions we take on. There's even like a conviction change. We're really looking at the culture. We're looking at the story. We're trying to give leadership what they need to bridge that gap, that trust gap. There's a marketing change. There's a communication change. So what's the story we're telling the outside world? Do we actually have the chops to break through this noise? And then there's a, a reinvention change. It's like under the guise of what we know about the company and the brand, what new revenue opportunities can we unlock for you? So maybe every company on the planet should be dealing with this, but we just kind of are coming at it direct where it's like, we know that this is hard and we're willing to like bolt onto your team for the purposes of, of driving change forward. So conviction change, marketing, communication change, reinvention change. Yes. You, you said it. I think every organization has, I'm not going to call them those problems. And I could equally not say those opportunities because it's still a little fluffy, but it's true. But I think what, you're pointing to and what I think you as a listener should like take out of this is the reflection piece and the asking the tough questions of yourself and saying, uh, maybe would this process be valuable? As in, it's not necessarily that it's needed as in there's something wrong is that if we went through this process, would there be something worthwhile on the other side? And what I took down was, you know, asking those tough questions. Cause I think some of the fear I think there's double two sides to the fear of asking the tough questions is one is not getting the answer that you want or you expect, which in itself produces something. And I think the other side of the fear is exactly getting the answer that you're worried about. And then it's like, well, but, but either way you're ahead, but you know, it's like, well, is the juice worth the squeeze that you want to undertake yourself and undertake as a team and then make it not personal like actually make it about what is bigger than us and what is more important than our ego in this, which is easy for me to say on a podcast interview, let alone like in front of like 300 people at all hands. So as we sort of wrap down here, in your experience leading teams, doing this yourself, what was that gut check moment for yourself where you're like, oh shit, I gotta, I have to take this step for myself and maybe it was uncomfortable and, and how did you work yourself through that process of potentially reinvention, potentially just looking inwardly and asking yourself the tough question? Honestly, I just, I, like I said, I never thought I'd be a guy with a method. So I came out of the book writing process, which was a three-year journey with a five-step process. Like, great. Just what the world needed was another acronym. So I'm your guy. Congrats, everybody. Um, which is in the book, Return on Courage. There, There's the, the shameless plug, too. Available in stores now? Available at, yeah, at Amazon, Kindle, Audible. If you like my voice, you can listen to my voice on your elliptical. Boom. But I realized when I, put, when I walked myself through that process in my own company, the alignment was off. So imagine me, like, I think I'm writing a book to position this company. And then when I actually have the courage to be unemotional and walk myself through it, I'm like, you know what? It's okay. This is just not the company that I'm madly passionate about creating for the purposes of serving in the future. And I had two partners and they're great people, but it doesn't mean that we should be partners together. And if they were on your show, they'd probably say the same thing about me, to be honest. Mm -hmm. So when I actually 
walk through the process. I'm like, okay. And you kind of hit it a little bit. Like I loved how you said this team is now a new team because the environment has changed. And if I would have tried to jam the theory of this book down the last organism, they wouldn't have accepted it. So the only way to grow the company, to be honest, is to use the book for what it is. Read the book. If you like the book, reach out. If you don't, that's okay. Same thing on hiring because it's a new organism, right? With new players that have new values, that have a new point of view. If I have to convince you to change your behavior with this book, if you're not willing, we're not good partners. I, I describe it like skiing. Like if you want to go skiing, I, I can't will you to the mountain. But once you're at the mountain, we can decide like, are you a bunny slope courage person or are we dropping you out of a helicopter here? And depending on that, we've got a shot. I think that's, that's, it goes back to that knowing yourself and being open to transforming yourself. You know, I went on a run, I went on 10 K back to back runs. And I think I'm just, I don't know what the hell happened to me. Like my, my person is gone, but like the courage to do that. And I had to do that. I didn't have to do that. I chose to do that for my marriage, which is terrifying because I'm just like, if anybody's seen the movie, Brittany runs a marathon. This is a small segue. Great movie, but it's about like that courage to do the uncomfortable thing because what's on the other side of that is the value. And so, you know, you gotta, you gotta be willing to get in the game and, and see for whatever level it is. And, and if there was ever an excuse to, to jump on, jump out of a helicopter or try to be courageous, you know, now is the time uh, because it's, uh, I don't know, it's coming for you. I feel like there's something coming and if you're not ahead of it, you're going to get caught up in it. And I think it's, it's people need the courage more than ever well, for and yourself again, and for your people. The, the, the irony here, to, and this is in the book too, but like giving you the tools you need to jump out of the helicopter the right way, not just jump out of the helicopter, right? So yeah. the big secret is that I'm trying to take the courage out of courage. I'm trying to give you every tool you need to make it easier for you to take action. I can't do it for you. Um, and if you've actually listened this far, bravo. So I'll say, look, in some ways, all I am is a permission slip for a hard conversation about change. Because mm-hmm. I'm going to be gone. You're going to go back. Take this exact podcast. Send the link to somebody that you work with that needs to hear it. To start that hard conversation, to, to, to bridge that trust. And then, and then get on the playbook so you can figure out how to actually stay in the conversation of relevance which is really why we need courage. Amen. Ryan, thank you. Uh, where can people get your book? Where can people connect with you? And uh, what's a, a next step you want people to take? You can find the book at returnoncourage.com or if you're an Amazon person, go direct to Amazon and type away. And uh, if you want to learn more about me, you can go to couragebrands.com. That's our SWAT, our special forces, our SWAT team, special forces company. Or if, if you need somebody to even just sort of inspire your team, nudge your team, you can go to ryanberman.com and see all my information there. Fantastic. Ryan, thank you for the chat. It's been a, I've had a blast. It's been awesome. And uh, yeah, I look forward to hearing more stories of, of uh, courageousness in the world. Thanks to you and your team. Thanks, man. Be good. Awesome. You too. My guest today is Ryan Berman, who is the founder of Courageous and the author of Return on Courage. And as Ryan said, if you want to move the conversation of courage around, be sure to send this podcast to your team, people in your life, because I think that's what the world likes. And if you enjoyed today's podcast interview, be sure to like, subscribe, share, do everything you need to do to keep us 
in your life. My name is Anthony Taylor. I hope you enjoyed today and until next time. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. If you're in the process of renewing your strategic plan and you're looking for a framework to align your team and to create a clear vision, clear goals, and a clear roadmap on how to get there, be sure to check out our signature course that will walk you through the process that we've used to create hundreds of strategic plans successfully for organizations all over the world. You'll get instant access to all the videos and documents right away. And so whether you're planning a strategy session in three months, three weeks, or three days, you'll be able to get the most out of your meeting and have everyone be on the same page and bought into your plan. It's the exact same framework that we've used for our clients and we've packaged it in a way that you can use it easily yourself. So visit smestrategy.net slash course and you can use the code podcast for $100 off. That's smestrategy.net slash course and use the code podcast for $100 off and you'll get instant access to all of the tools to help you create your strategic plan successfully and have everybody moving forward on the same page. Once again, this is Anthony Taylor with the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you real soon.